Hi, and welcome to Trapping Radio 2.0. This is Jeff Dunlap, your host for tonight. Um, What I want to do is start off with uh, plugging our sponsors, who are so nice to sponsor the show and help uh, cover all the costs associated with it, with the server and all that other stuff. So, um, you know, these are the people that uh, put this show on. So, you know, please, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, frequent their businesses, and uh, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, first off, we got uh, Alan Sayers with Funky Trapline Supply or Trap Tag Supplies. Um, Alan's a really awesome guy, good friend. Um, you know, uh, through the years, I've learned that Alan uh, will do anything for anybody. Um, he's uh, done stuff for me that, uh, yeah, I, you know, probably couldn't have got anybody else to do. Um, he's just an awesome guy, and you know when you call up uh, Alan or Little Alan, as we call him, because uh, Big Alan owns it. Little Alan is the one you'll talk to a lot of times on the phone and packs the orders and all that. Um, not father and son, just Big Alan, Little Alan, and uh, both awesome, awesome guys to deal with. Uh, so give them a call at uh, Funky Trap Tags. Um, then we got. Uh, Wildlife Control Supplies, um, you know, they got all the stuff for the ADC businesses and more, um, you know, so uh, if you're looking for any type of uh, stuff to do ADC business, any weirdo stuff, you know, if you're a fur trapper like me, um, you know, you look at their catalog and you know, there's a lot of weirdo stuff in there, you know, so you know, I don't even know what it's for, um, but, uh, you know, if you need any of that stuff, um, you know, and or exclusion stuff, uh, they're the ones to get a hold of um wildlife control supplies they're out of connecticut um you know uh good friend uh alan hewatt um you know own that um some other people own it now and you know alan passed away and uh we really really miss him um you know so um still still feel feel really bad that alan's uh you know not with us anymore i always enjoy talking to him at the you know like the pennsylvania convention and stuff like that um, next on our list is, uh, Oki. He's out of, uh, Oklahoma, hence the name Oki, uh, Jeb in, uh, you know, Jeb, uh, sells trapping supplies, buys fur, um, anything you might need, Jeb's probably got. Like I said a couple weeks ago, you know, in the old days, uh, a lot of fur buyers, um, you know, they bought fur at the junkyards and, uh, you know, I don't know, Jeb doesn't have a junkyard, but knowing Jeb, he would love to have a junkyard. So, and buy fur there. So, you know, that's the type of old school guy that you're dealing with when you're dealing with Jeb. Awesome guy. Um, you know, and he gives you, just gives you his word on something and, uh, Jeb makes it happen. So, um, we also have F&T Outdoors, uh, you know, at fntpost.com. Um, they are really good guys. It, just like everybody else that we have, uh, sponsors on the show, they're, they're really good guys or women, uh, or they ain't going to be here sponsoring this show. If they're an asshole, they're not going to be here. You know, if they're ripping people off, they're not going to be here. None of these people do that. You you give them the money, they send you the product. And, um, you know, they're, they're just the top of the, you know, the, the, the cream of the coffee in the trapping industry. And uh, especially F&T, uh, they have everything that you could possibly want to do trapping, uh, you know, calling, snaring hounds whatever you want to do uh they have it and they have a new showroom up here in alpena um you know like i said before if you go are going to the nationals 
and you know you really should stop by if you're going up 75 if you get to gale or grailing you're about you know hour and 20 minutes away maybe you know something like that um from f and t it's definitely worth the, the the trip over and then you can shoot right up 23 right up to mackinac go across the bridge and scoot down you know down us2 to escanaba um i mean they got a big fur room there um, they got every trap you can imagine laid out there in dozens, you know, and opened up so you can look at each one of them. Um, you know, a bit, I, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, so, you know, make sure you stop by there and see them when, on your way up to the Nationals. Um, there's good. That, there, that store impresses me. Every time I go in there, it impresses me. I mean, there's nothing like it. They put a, a, a lot of money to, to have this store, um, you know, so so the trapping is represented. They didn't go into bow hunting and selling guns and uh, you know all this. They stuck with their roots of the fur, and that's what they that's what they opened this store, and that's what they said. That's our roots. That's what we're sticking with. You know, the smart play was to sell guns and bows and you know switch back and forth between duck hunting. They didn't do that. They stuck with their roots, and uh, you know, and I love that about them guys. When they take a stand on something. They did, you know, they're awesome. They're, they've been good friends to me for a long time. So anyways, we got a real special guest tonight. So let's get to the interview. This was, uh, to, to me, was uh, like a Russ Carmen Slim Peterson interview. So I hope you like it. And I'm not telling you who it is. You'll find out in two seconds. Hey, well, welcome to Trappin' Radio. Um, we got a real special guest this week, um, Matt Jones. Um, I'm sure everybody out there, you know, knows, uh, Matt's name and from trapping and, um, you know, fishing and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it's a real honor to have him come on. Uh, Matt's been a, um, real fur killer for, for a long time. And, um, you know, he's one of the, one of the real deals out there. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, we're real lucky, real lucky to have him on the show. And thanks a lot for doing this, Matt. Oh yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anytime. The uh, you're from uh, Kentucky. Yeah, what's left of it? Yeah, yeah, about the same as here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, that uh, you know where you grew up is down to uh, the you know the Kentucky and started trapping and all that, or yeah, I, I grew up in the central part of the state and uh around frankfurt and uh i wound up down here in the western end uh when i got old enough to come down this way chasing fur but uh i've uh been here all my life i don't see me leaving no no the uh i uh I, that's one of the states I've, I've i personally never never trapped kentucky um i drove through there going to trap stuff but never just never stopped or broke down there yet so <laughs> well, make sure you stop and get permission if you get ready to, though. Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> <laughs> On the southwestern half, the yeah, uh, uh, like, uh, what? How did you get? You know, I mean, you've been trapping, you know, trapping or trying to kill, you know, something to sell it for, you know, basically your whole life. You uh, know. Just about my whole life. Yeah, I, I guess I started trapping when I was around twelve or thirteen. Uh, I'll tell you a little story on the, the first fur I ever had any dealings with. Uh, my, my 
great granddaddy Harry had a fishing camp on the Big Sandy River. And that's outside of Ashland, Kentucky. He had a little fish market there. And I was, I was just a kid. I'd go on the weekends and stay. And it was in the fall of the year. Squirrel season was in. And they got fox squirrels out there that look like house cats, those big old giant red fox squirrels. He had an old Revelation 22 rifle that he let me hunt with. And uh, like I said, it was in the fall of the year. And I was squirrel hunting down this, down the edge of the riverbank there. And there's a, a big fox squirrel runs up a shag bar kicker there, and I'm trying to see, and the leaves are still off. And I happened to look down the riverbank, and here, here comes something brown bouncing down the riverbank. And I thought, what is that? I didn't know, you know, what mm-hmm. it was. I never had, I had no idea what it was, and it was a mink. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, it was in September, but I shot that mink. And uh, I took it back to <laughs> granddaddy mink trap a little bit and i i was proud of it i didn't know what prime fur was or i didn't even know there were seasons on you know back <laughs> then i was just a kid i pull up with that mink granddaddy harry he saw he saw that thing and he it was it was a big and it, i didn't know it at the time but it was a big butt mink one of the big no neck ones mm-hmm. you know just his shoulder straight to the head he grabbed that thing out of my hand and turned it around, had that thing by the shoulders, and he wore me out with it. When he got done, the yard, Granddaddy Harry, me, everything smelled like a mink. <laughs> and uh, that that was my lesson on prime fur. I didn't know they weren't ready. He told me I was going to go to hell for killing fur that wasn't ready. <laughs> but uh, that's I didn't know if it was a mink or an otter or what it was when I first saw it. But that, that's what it was. And that was my introduction to fur and uh, learning a little something about primeness. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, I, he was trying to teach you what you were going to get, uh, you know. Yeah, he uh, taught me. Yeah, he's going to teach you that, uh, you know, this. I'm going to show you how it is dealing with fur buyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway, that, that kind of got me started and interested in it. And then uh, there was a an old man. I, we lived in Frankfurt, Kentucky, and there was an old man that trapped the farm. I lived in a subdivision, and, and there was a railroad track. And then on the other side of that, it was just all woods and fields. And I was really lucky, you know, to have a place like that, that where I could just walk out the back door and do whatever I wanted to do. And that was a, that's another squirrel hunting story. I was over there squirrel hunting in the, it was when trapping season was in. And an old man, his name was Z Killer, was, uh, and he had polio when he was uh, in the fifties and he walked with a crutch and his, his foot was turned sideways. So you could track him, you know, see which way that guy went by, by his, the way he walked and he was a trail trapper and he trapped for fox and uh i learned a whole lot from him but uh he wouldn't let me i, I ran into him over there squirrel hunting and was talking to him and uh i asked him if i could go with him no you can't go and i saw him another time no you can't go and i finally one day i told him i said i'll carry your stuff if you'll let me go with you so he started letting me go and i started talking he, he carried a big burlap sack that put all his fur in it and i got to go with him and all he used trapping was a hatchet and a hunting knife and a roll of 16 gauge wire that he would double or triple and then whatever kind of trap every kind of trap imaginable he had and he just set trails hmm. and I, I learned more in the year or two helping him you know trail trapping like that that helped me later on in life trapping than, than probably any other experience that I had as far as trapping goes uh, but that's that's how I got started 
Yeah, because, <clears throat> you know, I mean, you, you started out the, like the perfect way. I mean, uh, when you're setting a, becoming a, you know, blind set trapper, trail set trapper, you got to, you know, really pinpoint where them animals are going to, you That's know. That's how you are. That's you right. Know? And then, uh, you know, it's like setting for, you know, coyotes or fo fox or bobcats or whatever. Uh, I always... You know, that's how I learned was, um, you know, a lot of blind setting and stuff. And, um, you know, the thing is, is you're set when you start using lures and baits, uh, you know, you're still trying. I try to come within six, like six inches of where them animals are going to be, you know. That's right. That's what you got to do. That's so, exactly right. Um, so, and I, I still set a lot of blind sets today if it's a good place or if you can build a good place. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Cause uh, they're that that's when they're at their most vulnerable. Is um, you know, cause I mean that's where they want to be. They feel comfortable. You're not trying to pull them somewhere. Um, I, in a lot of my demo, that's why I tell people, you know, I say look, point to the young guys, and I said, you know, you're you know, fifteen, twenty years old. You know, if every year you pick up two blind set spots, really good ones, and don't burn them out, use a drag or a cable or something to get them off there. I says them, them are good for you, you know, unless something changes your whole lifetime. And that's uh, right; it, know, they, it never changes. You know, it'll it'll you, always be there. If you pick up two a year in twenty years, you got, four, you know, forty extra coyotes or whatever you could, you know, uh, pick up. And uh, you know, you never know if anybody ever does it, but <laughs> I've I've done it in my life. That's right. I know you've done that, it. In that's your that's life. like Johnny Thorpe told told Mel that time of uh, they were trapping out west around the stock tanks, and Johnny was catching a lot of cats there, and. <laughs> Mel was a little bit jealous, I think, and, and Johnny told him, said, well, they've got to get to the stock tank first before you can catch them. Yep. <laughs> and I think he was kind of backsetting him a little bit there, which is what a good trapper does. Yep. Yep. That's my favorite set. <laughs> yeah. I've, had, I've got some buddies that like to do it to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. I always like them to set first. Yeah, you go ahead and pick your spot, and then I'll pick the second spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, yeah, uh, if you can get on the other side of them, you definitely, <laughs> that'd be funny. There's some people I'd like to see you do that too. That'd be funny to watch. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about I was thinking about you the other day. Uh, you gave me a fish blower at the, at one of the Tennessee shows. Uh -huh. It's been five or six years ago. You remember bringing that thing down to yep, me? Yep, yep. Well, a guy named Corey Jackson, one of our fish haulers, rigged up a generator, and he's running that thing on the fish truck. And every time I see it, I think about you. It's still, it's still running. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> That's all right. The, uh, I just wanted it to go to somebody that uh, you know was a, a working person rather than sell it to sell it to somebody else. So um it, it needed to. It, it it's it's I, it probably I'm sentimental about shit and. Uh, you know, and it's like me and my dad did that, uh, you know, bait business for years. And I wanted it to be going to somebody who was going to use it to keep fish alive. And it was their life, you know, and that's, oh, what, yeah. that's well, what we did, you know. It, it, it's still around. Oh, good. <laughs> that thing went through a fire and, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's tough. Yeah. yeah it'll, yes, sir. It'll stay tough. We'll we'll keep breaking down, but. <laughs> um. So, like, uh, so when you, like, you started out uh, going and learning blind setting and stuff, you know, um, and you did, you, so you trapped, like, you got to say you got into it, you know, well, when you were 11, 12 years old. 
Yeah, um, and then started reading everything I could get my hands on. I really got interested in it, liked trap, still do. And uh, back then, it was a uh, that was the late seventies. I I got a hold of a uh, Grawls Fox Trapping Methods, and uh, Gerald Whelan had a Fox book out, and then Helfrich was writing for Fur Fishing Game, and you know, high school kids uh, in the early years, seventh, eighth, ninth grade. You know, it, it affected my schoolwork because I was reading that stuff all the time, and I was just interested in it, and it's led to now. Yep. They, uh, 60 years later. 60 years later. It goes fast, don't it? It goes pretty quick. No. Yep. <laughs> sure does. Yeah. Um, but I, I wound up moving down here to western Kentucky. Uh, I guess I was 17 years old or something like that. I moved down here. Uh, my mother was uh, the business manager was for the one of the state parks, and she got me a job down here as a, what they call a nationalist at one of the state parks, and then that turned into fall and winter time, and I already knew this was a really good area down here to for that. And uh, a, back then, there was a lot of country that you could trap. It's uh, a lot of sleeced up now, like everywhere. But but back then, it was a uh, you could be a wild Indian pretty easy back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wound up getting a third shift job dispatching at a uh, for a police department, so that left me open in the day. You know, left my days free, and uh, just that's how it all started. I like that plan, working from the inside out. I love Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like infiltrating enemy camp. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, it, that's right. It was a little small town, too, so I could sleep. You know, a lot of times I, by 1 o'clock, we'd take us a little nap until 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. wasn't much going on, so mm-hmm. it worked out good trapping-wise. Yep. They, uh, so, I mean, did, like, when you started – you know, uh, got down to the other end of Kentucky and you started going. I mean, oh, fur was bringing big money yeah. back then. A man could make a living trap. You know, I mean, you could, you could sell every week. There was a, we had a, a, a fur buyer I wound up working for named Bob Deck, Robert Deck, that in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. He was one of the largest fur buyers down here. And I, I'd go over there and sell every week. And then in later years, I got to where I was working for him and I'd spray coon hides and, go with him to buy and this and that and it was a, a learning experience for me i i really enjoyed it still do mm-hmm. but um you uh you end up uh deciding to quit high school too i did right then uh, uh I, yeah the trap yeah. that was that was a wasn't the, the the best decision but i don't regret it no no i've regretted it a couple times through through different uh you know, th- well, it doesn't look good on a job application, no. but then I, I haven't had to have too many of those. No, I had a couple, and I didn't like it. I, I made pallets. Um, my dad said, I think you need to go try a different job because you don't seem to want to do this one. So I said, all right. So I said, I can do that. I went and started making pallets, and I made it about a week. And I didn't do a very good job during that week either. So, <laughs> Well, a week, that's not bad. No, no, no. <laughs> They they're supposed to pay me. I don't remember. Say ten bucks an hour then, and uh, which was you know sounds like nothing now, but uh, oh, that was big money back that then. That's money. right. And he was going to pay me six bucks on the table and four bucks under. And I went in the office on fr- on Friday, and they said his wife says, uh, "No, we're only paying you the six. And I said, "Well, just give me the six now because I ain't coming back." So <laughs> that was the end of that. I didn't. That want was the end of that. They didn't want to pay. <laughs> 
Well, down this way, muscle shells were bringing big money, and, and uh, I got into fishing and, and learned how to fish. I met a guy named Ray Hammonds. I was down here catching coon bait, uh, shad for coon bait at the dam, and I ran into a guy down there that was catching bait for trot lines. And I had fished a few trot lines, but I, I really didn't know the, the commercial-style way to fish them, and uh, he invited me to go with him, and that ruined me after that. Yeah. And I started like, fishing in the wintertime, and back then we could – they've – they took our turtle nets from us about 10 years ago without a fight. Nobody even really cared, but, uh, but we used to, you know, turtle in the springtime and then, then fish till fall and trap. And, uh, uh I had hundred dollar bills falling out of every pocket when I was a kid. It, I, whether that was good or bad, I don't know, but it was, there was money seemed like everywhere you turn. Yeah, that, that's, uh, here they did the same thing where they, my dad used to trap turtles. I never, uh, you know, did it commercially other than, you know, as a kid when he was doing it. Um, and they regulated everything right down to, I don't even know how many turtles, let's say five turtles you can catch in a season or something. Yeah. You know? well, they've got it now. Just about every state they've, they've regulated where you can't make any money at it. I was talking to a friend of mine from the Carolinas and they've, they've got them on like that 10 turtle. You can't have restrictions like that and try to do it and make any money. You I know, s- I seen, uh, in the last couple of days going to town, uh, there's been like four, one was a group for up here, a real big snapper and hitting the middle of the road. And I was like, sure, sure. Good season. Good, good, good time that there's not a season on these, you know, right now, you know, just yeah. smash. One of the big right ones now. where you can look at him, drive down the road and see daylight under him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah. I heard Minnesota just closed. I think they just closed down the, the, their turtle season. I saw something on Facebook or something about that. I hate it for the boys up there. Yeah. yeah it's it's definitely – that's the thing is with trapping. that Everybody's always worried about the antis. You know, I mean, and, and yeah, I, I fully agree that, you know, they uh, it cost a lot of money to fight them off and stuff, and I fully agree with that. I was, I'm always more about being regulated where it's not worth going doing it anymore. You know, um, if you, you know, uh, I mean, you know, like here they regulated us on the two twenties. They said, give up the two twenties on land on uh public ground. Okay. You know, and they did that here. And yep. then, but, but we're going to give you one sixty. So you sell all your two twenties, go to one sixties and the, the smaller, the square, the more refusal you're going to have, it, it, it's, right. just, it's just 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 the way that God made the, the world work. And um, so then they go from 160s down to 155s. Well, it, it's hard to get a 20, 25 to 27 pound bore. Not impossible, but to it, get it, his head in a in a five and a half inch square. Yeah, because uh, then you you know yes you know your the learning curve is is you don't dig the holes deep enough to to put you know the donuts down in. And, you know, they're reaching in, so you got them by the arm, and they're, you know, basically, they just regulated you down to where, on state land, it ain't, unless you're using dog-proof traps or footholds, it, it really isn't worth, you know, I mean, if, if all you had was 155s, I wouldn't even go, you know, it just wouldn't be worth it. Right. I've seen a lot of laws change in, in my lifetime, that, and none of it's been for the good. No, no. No, they just, that's what I've always been worried about, just being regulated out of existence or, you know, and um, so. And. Yeah, that's like when we first got coyotes, most of the eastern United States, the way the Kentucky law read was a number two or smaller uh, foothold trap on dry land. Well, back in those days, it's not like it is now when you can just call in a, 
and get a fully modified trap sent to you. You know, back then you had to get send them somewhere to get them done. I went through uh, the 175s and two canine wolfers and just every kind of trap I could try to get a hold of that when we first got cows to try to get something to hold on to the dying things with. Yeah. And uh, finally, Terry came out with a bridger number two, you know, that you could buy modified and four pulled and. And uh, it wasn't very long, and uh, Tom Bodette had the Coyote Cuff 22, and I got a set of those, and, boy, that changed the way that uh, – that changed my trapping right there. I started holding on to them then. Mm-hmm. I still like that trap. It's still a good trap. Small, but it's it, it's got its place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never run any of, any of Tom's traps before. I don't think – I'm not sure I've ever, even ever held one before. But these them. younger guys, they're, uh, they don't know how good they've got it. They, you know, all this information's out there. And when we were growing up, it wasn't that way. No. You know, even even the traps, they can call in good traps now and right out of the box and, and go to catching cows with them. We had to build them back yeah. then. Yep, yep. Or just, you know, if you, and if you couldn't build them, you were just, you know, um, you know, using something like a, you know, square jaw number two victor, you know, I mean, where the jaws gets pulled out of them and, you know. Right, well, they just, 175s are the same way, they just destroyed them, yeah. you know, you, you catch one every now and then. Yeah, yeah, no, but, uh, they, uh, first, the first Duke one and three quarters I ever sex, we were using them victor because my dad was a fox trapper, you know, and you, right, I right. kind of followed and did what he did. We, we all were. Yeah. And uh, then, then the coyote showed up, and uh, you know they they were using one and a half victors, and then they switched to, um, you know, like uh, one and three quarters. That's what he ran for years. But the, right, probably the probably the Northwoods trap back in those days. Yeah, and uh, I well, bet they were. Well, the victors when they first come out with them was uh, they had the really high levers. They almost looked like rabbit ears sticking up. And, right. Uh, them ones locked up and didn't get the jaws pulled out of them very often, you know, so that's what they use. But, um, yeah, I ran a lot of, in the old days, I ran a lot of the Blake and Lamb traps and the one and a half of Fox. I, I liked the Blake's, uh, really better than I did the Victor traps. Yep. Yep. And then in 82, they came out with a, Victor came out with a 175. And of course, everybody, you know, that's the, that was the Fox trap in the day. We was night last and thought we were big time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we were when you look back at it. Yeah, yeah, it was cutting edge <laughs> then. Um, yeah, but, Jim yeah. Connor. I can't say enough about Jim. He, uh, JC. He's he, he's he's helped a lot of people with trap modification and and uh, gadgets that he's came out with that that helped me in the my younger days. You know. Yeah. And, uh, even uh, old Gorman's. If 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 nobody's bought the hoofbeats of a wolfer, that book right there is a is a must have. If you're a ki- if you're a canine trapper, if you whether you like him or not, it's a it's a fine book. Yep. yep. And a lot of good information in their own traps, you know. And uh, and Slim, you know, Slim uh, uh, Predator Trap and Problems and Solutions. That's a that was a fine video in its day when it when it came out. Mm-hmm. And as far as uh, traps and trap modification goes that uh you know a lot of the eastern traps we had to we weren't lucky we couldn't run those threes like they could out there we had to we had a hard way to go for a little while but gradually they've changed a lot of the walls in the east now where we can we can use the coyote trap you got to let us trap what we got and that's what we got now coyotes yep Yep. and they uh and they want them killed so make it easier to do it yeah yeah, that's, that's one good thing that one law that has been changed that, that's helped us rather than hurt us. Yep, 
no they uh yeah everything isn't isn't negative that's for sure um you know uh you know i mean it it seems to in, in my mind always be negative but you're right it's uh you know some of the laws that they not all of it not, but not a lot of it yeah hmm. and uh, some of the snare laws have changed i know i know a lot of guys got some pretty pretty tough uh pretty pretty tough snare laws yeah we uh we don't we can't use snares we're um we're uh at the cable restraints and uh cable restraints, and it's, and it's yeah. like a four and four and a quarter loop i think it is something it's something something like that anyway it's basically like putting a leash on a coyote you know um, right but uh, i i was like a lot of the other guys i thought that with them cable restraints because it has to be a relaxing lock i thought well, you got to use them washer ones. And I'm like, you know, that because that's what they're selling. Everybody's selling. You'd assume that if they could sell better ones, that they would sell better ones. Anyway, so I caught this coyote, and the, the I mean, the, the lock was like six inches back. It was just, it, I mean, it could have stepped back out of it if I, you know, and I shot it. I looked, and, and the, you know, exactly what the laws were and started asking questions. And, like, it says just a relaxing lock. And I'm, that's what I tell people now. It doesn't say in there that you have to use the shittiest relaxing lock on the market. It doesn't say that. It just says a relaxing lock, you know. Right. So when and I'll tell you what, you better watch it on those some of those washer locks because if that thing, if they check it and it doesn't, it doesn't come back. They'll they'll look at those washers as a as a lock, and you know it's just yeah. that's what I hate. It's all up to the discretion of the law enforcement officer who happens to be checking the trapper. Yeah, and that's why I. Uh, I, that's why I I don't build any snares I or cable restraints. I buy all of them. Then they're commercially made. I'm using you know something that was sold to me as you know this is as a relaxing lock. This is a relaxing yep. lock. Here's the ad. You know, you know in case you ever caught a dog or something. You know. Um, Have you ever talked to Riley Hess much about snaring? Uh, no, I've talked to Riley you know quite a few times, but not. Man, he is so he knows so much. I talked to him about five minutes. It's like, whoa, hold on there, buddy. I got to jerk these reins back. He gets so far ahead of me. He's just, <laughs> when it comes to snaring, he's a, he's a great guy. I, I, that's what I love about going to shows. You get to see those guys you normally don't get to see. Yeah. That's and, what, that's uh, he's a, he's a wealth of knowledge on them. I'll, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I, uh, he doesn't go to, uh, I haven't seen him hit shows in a little bit. He, uh, used to Well, go I don't, I don't go much anymore either, but. But he used to go to Escanaba, and I'd see him up there every year. But I don't think he goes there anymore. So I haven't, I yeah. haven't seen him. I haven't heard. I haven't heard from him or talked to him in in several years now. Probably that's just happened to pop into my mind. Yeah. No, they're uh, that's fine, what, That's what I like. Uh, you know, going to the shows because there's a a lot of people like that. You know, um, that they're interesting to talk to, and. Uh, no, you learn a lot when you get in that in that crowd. You know, I, I recommend anybody if you can go to a, a traffic convention. It's a it's a great place to learn. Yeah, they're a lot different than when we were kids going to them. Um, you know, I mean, they're the same, but they're different. They're not as wild as what they used to be. You know, some once in a while they get out of hand. Um, we uh, we had one of our buddies stripping in the parking lot at the motel last year, so. That, that you know, <laughs> that that was wild. But uh, oh, we don't we don't want to get started telling stories. <laughs> Not those kind. <laughs> People throwing number five bridgers up in there and trying to snap them off with their hands. I've seen it all. Yeah, I've I've heard I heard about that whole deal. 
<laughs> oh, it was. It, I, I wish I had it on video. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Somebody told me that it looked like you guys were slaughtering pigs over there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was all. Uh, I think that was what all the Dobbins crew from uh, back in the day. What what was it? Uh, Paul still runs that site. I don't get on it much anymore. Mm. Was it a uh, Trapper Man? What, Travel man, yeah. Travel man. Here's a travel man crew. <laughs> yeah, I'm drinking that uh, whatever that that uh, fire water that uh, Paul's got. Yeah, that 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 untaxed whiskey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what makes it good. <laughs> Even it burning and going down. Oh Lord. The uh, <clears throat> so I've about outgrown it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I ha, I'll have a few sips, but I I've got to the age where I don't I don't have a problem putting it putting it down and saying no. No, no I don't either. <laughs> no, there was a time I wouldn't. No, I'll just sip on a beer once in a while. Uh, yeah, I've I, I woke up in the gravel at a convention or two in my day. Well, I've heard about that too. Yeah, Jackie Malone had to drag me out of the road. I said, "What are you doing?" He said, "I'm gonna drag you out of the road where you don't get run over." I said, "Thank you, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Them mornings when you got to do demos in uh, your life. It's like, nothing to be proud of. That's right. <laughs> I drug in there before, and I didn't even hardly. I but didn't even really wasn't even awake through the first half. Somebody else was. My body was moving, but my head was dead. I always made him try to put me on up in the day. Yeah, I, I didn't want the first one. Yeah, no. No, eight nine o'clock. That's pretty dang early to do a demo when you're still drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as like, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, you know, after you quit like high school and went into that, um, you know, and let let's say like, you know, you could make up till the crash in '87. Um, you know, that then like nobody wanted raccoons. You know, you couldn't no. really give them away. Um, you know, there was a stretch, you know, like in 97, I think it was, we sold, you know, Coon and, you know, there was, there was different jumps. That's when stuff started coming back up in the nineties there. But I missed, uh, from, from 87 to to 89, if I trapped, it wasn't much. Yeah. 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 Cause you couldn't give nothing away. Then then we started getting a little Coon market back and, and, uh, one year foxes would sell good. And, you know, then it started getting better when Napa started getting bigger. I didn't even know, uh, that Napa existed. Uh, the, the fur buyer I sold to was, was selling to, to Hudson Bay, which is, was Napa back in the day, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that when Napa came out, that, that kind of put everybody back to work. Yeah. Uh, and it started picking back up. But, but, uh, but, uh but, I mean, you, you, you know, during that, you know, did the fishing carry you through that time or, you know? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, uh, most time we could catch enough fish in the summertime to where we could, you know, I, I probably could have made more money fishing, but I just like to trap, you know, oh. to take off and trap. And then uh, I started making the DVDs and that, that helped make a little bit of money too, you know, mm-hmm. at, at, uh, and giving a little instruction here and there. But uh, it's it's a funny story on how I got started making DVDs. Uh, uh, Mike O'Hearn was going to, I used to run his coon bait years and years ago, and I, I bought a lot of my supplies from Gerald, Gerald Smith. Mm-hmm. 
And Gerald and I were friends. We talked on the phone a lot. He told me, he said, hey, Red's coming up here to make some coon bait. I, it was in the fall of the year, and I was bait line fishing, and, and he had been questioning me about how I fish trot lines. I said, well, hell, Gerald, I'll just film some of it, and I'll send it up over to you and Mike and watch it while you're making coon bait. Because he, he Gerald has got a grinder that you could drop an elephant in. It's off an old mink farm, and uh, Red would go up every year to use his grinder to make to make his coon bait because you just throw a whole fish in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I filmed a little bit of trot line fishing, and I sent it up there, and they washed it, and a little time went by, and he called. He said, hey, man, he said, there's a there's probably a market for an eastern cow video. That's about the time that the cows were starting to get, you know, he was selling more equipment to guys in the east for cow trapping, and he said, you should make a cow trapping video. Well, the first one I made was called Cow Trapping East of the Big River, and it was kind of a spur of the moment thing, and I filmed it in about a week. I had filmed some catches and stuff like that, but as far as putting the video together with back then, that was the VHS days, mm-hmm. and you had to get somebody to do all that. You yeah. know, you couldn't you couldn't edit any of it at home. Yeah. And uh, I just hired a guy named Steve Phillips up here that that was doing weddings, and uh, we just kind of built a little video, and I sent it up to Gerald, and he put it on the market, and uh, it sold amazingly well. So uh, that that's what kind of got me started in 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 that line of mm-hmm. of uh, the trapping field, you know. And that also put me at a lot of conventions where I, I got to meet a lot of people. You know, I started learning a lot from from different ones. It's just amazing what you can learn when you get around people that know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. That's like Gerald. People don't know it, but in the day, Gerald could catch six or seven hundred mink, and that's just I love mink trapping. I you know that's. Yeah, that's a lot of mink. Yeah, that's a, that is. That's a lot of anything. Yeah, that's a lot of anything. That's a lot of going up and down banks. Because that's can, a lot of anything. Because that's right. you you know if he caught six hundred, he went up and down them that banks more than six hundred times. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. And then you got to skin them all. You know. And then you got to handle them all. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot, of, and it's a lot of and them mink. Uh, you know they they stink. You know they're worse they're worse than a skunk on sometimes. So they are, but I sure like them. I like them too. That's the uh, in the end of the eighties and that. That's what I always was off trapping. It was mink. You know, because, yep. what if, you know if I could do it over again, I probably just you know hammered on the coon. But you know there was something about the mink. I was. You know, I had a lot Have of you noticed though? The older we get, the bigger everything got. We started out. I was a fox trapper. We trapped musk. We had muskrats and mink, and then they turned into beaver, and then the foxes turned into coyotes and cat. Everything got bigger. I don't know what's next. Maybe there'll be some sort of African game get loose. We gotta go after. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. We're getting armadillos here now. We've had them for several years, and I would have never—I I couldn't even—I I, I couldn't even spell armadillo ten years ago. Huh. huh? Yeah, that's pretty far north. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. We're, we we sure do. We've got them, and I tell you what—they—they they don't know much about water because I, where I live here, I'm surrounded by water. And when the backwater gets up and goes down, those things are laying dead everywhere. They're not smart enough to go to the hill. I don't guess. They—they hmm. they don't know where the high ground is. Hmm. They, uh, I've talked. Talk, I've never had it happen, but I've talked to enough guys I trust where they talk. Where them, they've caught had three thirty sets on the bottom of you know three foot of water, and, and caught armadillos and caught, in them. And they caught armadillos in them. So, well, that's the first time I've heard of that. Isn't that something? They, uh, them things must just like walk straight and go right down into the water, <laughs> <laughs> just like a, just like a tank, you know. know. <laughs> they, uh, 
Yeah, I, <coughs> I was uh, trapped in Louisiana, and prices were just starting to come up, and then it ended up being in the 12 and 13. I was skinning them armadillos out and uh, selling uh, the shells to Moscow hiding fur. Really? I think I was getting like 15 bucks a piece for them things, yeah. And uh, But I'll tell you what, you take the take the shell off them, I mean, they look like something scary. You know, I mean, there ain't nothing there. I mean, it, it looks like a, just like a, I don't know. Did you ever try to eat one? No, no. Uh, I hear you. Me they're, either. They're they're just too something, you know. And then you throw the leprosy scare people give you. I, you know, I mean, I was like, yeah, I don't need to eat this. There ain't much. Yeah, I don't need to be eating that. No, no. The uh, ribeye is too good. <laughs> With them, I know them guys. Some of the people down in Louisiana eat them, but. You know, that's also the highest leprosy infection is down there, too. So, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's a correlation, but I would assume it would be. I guess guys have trouble with them down there getting in coyote traps and stuff, too. I, I haven't had any problems. I, I, as far as I know, I've never caught one other than a few in 220s in coon trails. Yeah, I, uh, that's what all the ones I've caught have all been in, um, you know, 220s and 280s just mash them. So yeah, they'll bend the they'll bend the jaw on a duke trap. Yeah, <laughs> they will. They will. They will. <laughs> and, and then what, what, the first dukes that came out, them ones would have not even held it. Probably. <laughs> so, no, they're getting better though. Getting, I, I, getting better. I hear a lot of guys talking about the duke traps now. I wouldn't be afraid of you. I don't own any, but I I wouldn't be afraid to. Yep. To to you, you know, Bill tries to, I think he's tried to build, build a whole lot better trap, you know. I think that he's come a long way in his trap building uh, from the beginning. We bought, when we first went, you know, because Ralph to Jesse's just south of us, he's always been friends with Bill Duke and uh, his dad, and um, they dealt back and forth on fur, and uh, so Ralph sold them right day one, and uh, we got a dozen of them, them Dukes, and uh, man, we caught beaver, and they were like the you. It was like a cast of the beaver, you know. I mean, them, oh them, man, them jaws were so, you know, the metal was so weak in them. But I got a bunch now, and they're not like that. I mean, will they bend? Yeah, but so will Belle Isles, you know. So yeah, that's right. You know, but uh, I they they definitely a good good trap. Not you know now, especially for the money. And if I'm going to have one get stolen, I'd rather have it be a duke than uh, every time I get a duke trap. Oh, today, that's right. I think God, I'm so glad I did not set a bell aisle or a Jake trap there. That's right. I'm telling you, because I'm a <clears throat> and almost the sleepy creek. Uh, the the trap I that I run mostly for raccoons. Uh, I, I run a lot of fish states, You know, I mm -hmm. pin the coon down. Where and don't take the time to slide them out wires and I just, you got to get them run quick, you know, but I, I trap by boat so I can do that. And, uh, the sleepy Creek number 11 double jaw is the, is the trap that I used to do that with. Well, when sleepy Creek, when they quit making them, I thought I'm, I'm going to find another, you know, another kind of trap to use. So I, I looked at, at the, at the Dukes and when you set the, the jaw, posts are about an eighth of an inch shorter than they are on the sleepy creek and that doesn't sound like much but it makes all the difference in the world in trying to set that trap mm -hmm. and uh i wish they would uh i wish the the jaw pan posts were a little bit i mean the the jaw posts were about an eighth of an inch longer that would really help that trap mm -hmm. i don't even know if they're still making the double jaw uh number 11 now or not 
That I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't looked at a catalog. Yeah, yeah, because when I'm walking, most time, I guess, with my mind, when I'm walking through like uh, F and T, and they got all the traps out in their new store, um, it's like uh, I'm looking at the like the coyote traps and all that. You know, the bigger traps catch my eye, so I guess I didn't even have to look. I would imagine they do, because Duke usually doesn't take anything off the market. So if he made them, he probably still has them. Probably still has them because yeah. a lot of guys like to run those. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I and that, the new house, uh, one year they came out with that new house number 11, and I, I looked at those, and those things were so strong that they were hurting my hands. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and 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 the way that it had the old-style pan and dog on there, and it's hard to set those. If you're used to using those sleepy creeps, it's got the double pan post. Mm-hmm. They're a whole lot easier to set than what that new house was. I, I would have switched it because they will they'll hold otter a whole lot better than what the sleepy creeps will. Mm-hmm. And I have I have a lot of otter uh, incidental catches, you know, to get in coon traps. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would imagine. And a lot of people say, well, that sleepy creeps just fine. Well, it is the first year, but after they get a little age on them, they, uh, you know, they just don't, a lot of people might argue, but they just won't hold on to the bigger otter. Mm-hmm. And I like to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, uh, you know, when they were going for 200 bucks, so. Yeah. Well, I, I like to hold on to them when they're 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, if it steps on my trap, I don't want to get out. I don't like nothing to get away. No. No. I guess uh, the, the beaver price has really surprised me this year. The, on on a, the central top, we don't have a very good beaver here. We, we've got a we've got a good colored raccoon, and, and at one time we had a pretty good cow, and uh most of our stuff's semi-heavy, but our, our beaver's not much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, at the Kentucky first sale this time, they were it, it just had to be round and be a beaver, and it brought a $20 bill. Hmm. Wouldn't hmm. it be nice to know all that before it happens? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it caught me blindsided. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen that with raccoon before, you know. Yeah. They'd yep. be fighting over them one year, and you can't get them away the next. Yep. The, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think too. If anybody, the not too many people seen the the beaver thing popping up like this. I mean, no, you know, nobody I ever talked, nobody I talked to seen it, hundred percent coming. So, well, what uh, you know, I thought guys like Mike Kelly and Swanson, those boys from up north, would do a whole lot better on the northern beaver than what we did down here. But they're selling for about the same. Yep, yep, yeah. Because I, uh, that's a shame too, because they got a beautiful. I guess you've got a good beaver too, Jeff. Where yeah, you're at? Yeah, we got pretty good beaver. You know, uh, yeah. Till they start shedding, and then they, you know, don't look much different than yours, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, I I ended up averaging. Uh, well, first we sold the ones in Louisiana um, for nine dollars. I took the. They were either in the grease or they were in the carcass with the casters right. out of them, and I got nine bucks for them. I was thrilled. I thought, my God, we've hit the. Well, sure, yeah. You know, and uh, and and that was a great price. We sold him to Perry down there, and uh, he's him and his son are a heck of a nice people. And um, they come right to our, you know, met us, and um, you know, we had freezer problems and stuff down there. So we we had to sell these things, and uh, he could have raked us over the coals, and he didn't. And uh, then the next week, um, or two weeks or something. Uh, they sold. That's when it, in uh, what was it Arkansas? They had that sale. They went like average like when they sold real. High. Yeah, and I saw that, and I thought, well, that's just two buyers fighting over. Yeah. You know, I've seen that happen several times in my life, and then it turns out that's not the case. They were wanting them. Yep. 
Yep, they seem that seemed high at the, that seemed like crazy high at the time, but but They're special uh, for that beaver. Yeah, and I mean it, it's been a, probably a long time if ever that they were down there fighting over uh, Arkansas beaver for forty dollars. You know, that's what I always been saying. I said normally uh, we'd go to the south and try and sneak the the northern beaver in as you know like uh, either late or early, um, you know, northern beaver. I never right. thought we'd have to go and take the northern beaver and try and sneak them in as uh And sneak them in as a southern beaver, right? <laughs> yeah, Isn't that yeah. the truth? I mean, how shit changes. Um, I, I'll tell you what, that's, that's like otter fur and, and uh, mink are about the same way. You know, they're pretty good all from the south to the north. That's that's one fur that, that uh, you know, you can take a, a, a northern Louisiana mink or, or an otter and a, a southern Wisconsin. Wisconsin making otter, and there's not a whole lot of difference in them. No, you know? no, there, there, there's really not, other no. than size. Yeah, size is the only about the only difference. Hair wise, they're about the same. And yeah, yeah I, I, I was looking at some of those boys from up north at the beaver trap in Minnesota, and I thought, where are your guys' big beaver at? You know, you look at them, they all look like two year old. You know, mm -hmm. but they just don't get as big as that. You know, out here on the Ohio River, they don't. It doesn't freeze up, and they eat all the willows that they want to, and it. it we catch a lot of it in the 60s and 70s, and you yeah. know, pretty common. That's a whole lot of fleshing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's why this this uh, whole beaver thing, I mean, this is, like, great, uh, you know. Got, well, it gives people something to go after. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and I'm sure that's exactly what's going to happen, but they talk like the market's going to stay strong on them, so. Yep. At least for a year or two. I love thank it. You, thank you, Yellowstone. Yep, thank you, Yellowstone. Thank um, you, Yellowstone. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, because if I get a fur buyer to come to my door, pay me 23 bucks and count them, or 24 bucks and count them, you know, uh, on Grease Beaver, yep. I, I'm I'm thrilled just like I was, you know, back in the 80s. <laughs> so. Well, I guess I guess they're buying these R beaver from like down here by the pound. I mean, you know, if, if the truth was known, uh, they're selling them by the pound. Yeah, that's what they're doing with these ones up here too. Is they're they're just they're using them for hatters, unless yep. unless they pull them off for something else. You know, like they got some real nice ones. They might have them tanned or you know got a markets for them. But well, if the otters would just go up a little bit more, yeah, just a little bit. Well, they don't have to go up too much. No. But I'd like to see fifty or sixty dollars on them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And evidently, our cats are, are have picked up. You know, the the last two fur sales, it looks like the central type cats, which is what I've got, uh, are, are bringing hundred dollar bill, which is where they need to be. Yep. They, uh, yeah. Last time I had a lot of southern cats. Uh, uh, it, that's about what they were. Is uh, you know, you know, hundred, hundred and twenty bucks. So you know, the market definitely is up. Yeah, I'm glad to see that. That's yeah. that's a little improvement, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It seems like uh, coon really control the the fur industry. It seems like you know it's the backbone. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I'd like to see a ten dollar raccoon anyway. You know that's and that's cheap. That's that's it is. It's dirt cheap. I kept thinking as you know as much as. Um, you know, I mean, it's usually people if they find a cheap product, they figure something out to do with it, and then they they can you know make money on it. And 
I mean, for for fur right now, I mean, you can't get a cheaper product. I mean, what are you going to buy? You know, you can't even buy garbage for the price that you buy in fur for. Um, no. You know, so, you know, I mean, you'd think somebody would pick up the reins and, and do something, but. Well, there's always hope. Yeah. Maybe they will. Because okay. they're, they're, they're it's a buyer's market now. Yeah. Well, Kevin Costner, I want to see you on that show of yours with a coonskin cap. That's what he needs. That's right. <laughs> nice jacket. Yeah, yeah, full length jacket <laughs> in July. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just you know, you get people say, "Well, the uh, uh, fur price is never coming back." Well, it did. Well, the beaver prices came back, and the coon prices have come back the same damn way. You just wake up one morning and it ha- has happened. Yeah. Well, let's hope. I, I sure hated to say. I hope that the fur, the fur harvesters can sell enough fur to keep the lights on. We got to have some place to go with it. Yeah. You know, I hated it when NAFA closed. Yeah. That was, it was disgusting. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it definitely. I mean, it definitely. Uh, you got to have places to sell the stuff, and you know every everyone out there that gives you an option. You know uh, we definitely need. You know we need every every trapper to keep it going, and we need every fur buyer to be out there because I mean like they ain't getting they sure ain't getting rich on a you know four dollar raccoon. No, the, the buyers need to make some money too. That's yeah. exactly right. Or there's not going to be any. Yeah, yeah, because somewhere on a five dollar raccoon. There's there's no meat on the bone for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Well, you can sell his pecker for more than you can sell his pelt. Something's wrong. <laughs> yep, yep. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah. I um. Uh, yeah, I cut a bunch of them off this year. So. <laughs> well, we have- well I, I, this is the first year I've ever done it. I, I tell you, I, all cows, my my prettier cows, we sent them and Christian, I sent them off and got them tanned and. Most of my cats, and we we can sell them one at a time, but you just don't get your. It, it's not like you know, you just don't realize the money. Mm-hmm. So you had a two thousand dollar tanning bill, and it takes a little while to recoup that. And then on my end of it, she wants to keep all the good stuff and then sell the other. I thought, I said, honey, you can't keep. It. I said, it's a renewable resource. Get rid of that stuff. We'll get more. Yeah, she I, wants to hold on to it. But. Yeah, I got. I know exactly what you're saying because I got the same problem on this end. We went and got some otter tan last year. We caught down to Louisiana, and they're in a box in the house. We tan these to sell, and now you know they're in a box, and but she ain't putting them up for sale. And now, and now they're now they're not for sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what happens to me too. We got to stop that. How are we going to do that? I'm not sure. Now she's now we've got a bunch more otter we're sending in. I told her I says we do not need fifty or sixty otter in the boxes sitting around the house with the feet. Because <laughs> you know. I mean, you I, just, I skinned all the feet out and all that, and you know, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we don't have room for all these, you know, and they, they don't look they, the, the displaying in a box is not that great. Uh, and back in February, I was cat trapping, and, and uh, you know how otters are easy to catch at time of year. I asked Christy, I said, "Do you want some otters?" I said, "I can catch some." She said, "No, I, I don't want any." And then she wound up buying some at the first sale. I thought, oh, <laughs> I drove by. I, was, I drive by them big old toilets, you know. <laughs> Just look at them driving by, <laughs> and beaver too driving by those things. Everything. 
whatever I'm not trapping, that's where the money's at. Yeah, it's it's always been that way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, old Jeff. Yeah. So, uh, you well, and, ask me about ask me about our little coyote school, so I can give a little plug. For yep, the, that's what the I was just, that was what I was just going to ask you. Uh, you and uh, Big Shooter Brian Nelson, Brian, Mr. Nelson, Mr. yes, sir, from Virginia. Yep. We, uh, I, I'll tell you how all that got started. Uh, a guy, uh, Anthony Wilcox, who is a trapper in the central part of the state, up around Lexington, was friends with uh, a guy named Tavis McCauley, who runs. Whitetail Haven Institute up there, or Whitetail Haven uh, Guide Service, or whatever you want to call it. He called Anthony, wanted to do a coyote school. And Anthony called me and wanted to know if I want to come up for three days. This is like to teach the deer hunters how to control cows on, you know, on managed lands. That type deal it wasn't really trapper related. So <clears throat> I told him I'd come up there and do it. And uh, he said, Well, do, do you think we need to get somebody else? I thought, Well, how many guys are we talking about? And TVC thought he had about 16 or 17 guys for, for the three days that wanted to come. He was charging them, you know, to come up there. Mm-hmm. And he told us what he'd pay us. And, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll see if I can get somebody else. And I thought about Andy. I thought I'll call Andy. We'll fly him out here. It'd be an Eastern trapper and a Western trapper. Well, Andy couldn't do it. So I wound up having to settle for a lesser human being. So I thought, <laughs> who could I get? <laughs> to do this and i thought about brian i thought well i'll call brian in virginia so i called brian and uh told him about it he checked his schedule his schedule was free so he came down and we went up there to a million dollar lodge you know there's thousand acre ground though with it and they had three or four other little bitty farms well we get up there and these three or four other little bitty farms are hour apart and they're like 150 or 200 acres so we wind up setting coyote traps like 25 coyote traps on a 200-acre farm. Mm-hmm. And a coyote could walk. We didn't even use any lure. A coyote could have walked through there and got caught. Just <laughs> bebopping. But after it was over with, I told Brian, I said, we ought to do a real coyote school sometime on a, on, on a working trap line. I said, I've got an area down here where I'm at that, you know, that we can access. And it's, it's rough country, but it's a place where we can actually run a trap line. So we hooked up and uh, about three or four years ago, and we started doing a school. And what's great about most of the guys that we get are already good coyote trappers. So it's more like a convention. Mm-hmm. It's like it's everybody's trap line, you know, yep. when they come down. But but if anybody's interested in coming, we uh, we do it the last two weeks of January, and it's on my trap line down here in Western Kentucky. And uh, you can contact uh, Brian Nelson uh, for the. He he says he's not my secretary, but he actually is my secretary. <laughs> that, that's who you want to. That's who you want to contact if you're interested in coming to our school. But we do uh, all the line instruction for three days. Uh, we take uh, two guys to the truck, four guys total. And uh, we ride around with an army trapping coyotes. Yeah, and you but guys, that's, you guys that's pile, pretty much it. You guys pile them up. Um, you know. Well, we could. I, Jeff, we've caught the same amount every year. Yep. It's always like a little competition between Brian and I. And mm-hmm. Sometimes he'll be one or two ahead, and sometimes I get one or two ahead. And we make a big deal out of it. But every time he catches one, I'll say, well, that's my spot. Uh, <laughs> I said, I, you know, I'm just letting you use it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and but but, but we've, we usually catch about six, but between 55 and 60 cows. And we've done it three years in a row, and we've caught between 55 and 60. So that's what that area produces, yeah. you know, when it, 
in the in the old days, uh, if well, if Brian and I were just trying by ourselves, we could we could get out of there quicker with us, but it would still be the same amount of coyotes. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's just that's just how the ground is. Yeah, yeah. There's just certain amount of resident coyotes. You you, you can't catch two hundred if there's not two hundred. Yeah, if there's not two hundred, that's right. But, but, that, but we have that, a good time. Not too many gates to open. No, that's the main thing. At least you got you have Brian to jump out and open them. So that yeah, and, and Katrina she comes with him, and we run a we run a lodge, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we can if, if the people decide they want to to stay there, I think Brian charges like a hundred tonight, which is cheaper than getting a motel, and then Katrina feeds everybody, so it's mm-hmm. a, it's a good deal for on that end of it for them. Yeah, how many days does the the school run? Uh, we usually start about the 13th or 14th of uh, January and run till the end of the month. Okay. I mean, wait, and when the students come in, are they there for like, uh, they come in like, let's say. It's on, three days. Yeah. Three it's, days. it's, uh, they, they ride for three days and a, a lot of them will stay four nights. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a three day deal. Three, three days and four drinking nights. Uh, that's what happens over a lot. I, 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 I don't always, uh, uh, it's a it's against the law for me to go over there but, uh as far as Christie's concerned some of the times <laughs> I just do what I'm told yeah I've got to that point myself <laughs> yeah, we're way better off just yeah. man just needs to do what he's told <laughs> yeah if we'd have realized that 40 years ago we <laughs> we, we have a lot more stuff yeah I know yeah you know oh lord but um so, uh, like, but we have a big time. We have a lot of fun. How do you, uh, you know, contact you or Brian about, uh, you know, somebody who go to the, want to come to the, uh, place? you can, you can hold him probably on Facebook or, uh, he's, yeah. uh, he's working with the National Tractors Association now. So it'd be in the back, the back of any magazine or okay. if it, I guess I can get my phone number out. I hate to do that. Yeah, I wish I, I knew his I, number. I wouldn't, I would, uh. I would just uh, they can get they could get a hold of him. Well, uh, if they're listening to this, uh, contact Jeff Dunlap, uh, and he'll yeah. let you know who, uh, who yep. to get a hold of. Yeah, just send me, if if you're interested in going to their school, just uh, <laughs> contact me, and I'll uh, I'll set I'll set you up with uh, with uh, Mr. Nelson with the secretary. Yeah, with the secretary. Yeah, yeah, and tell him you're not coming if he ain't wearing a dress. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> Enough people tell him that Brian would wear one. I bet. <laughs> well, we've had we've had a, a few women come uh, to the school as well. That surprised yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. There's and, uh, there's more and more and, getting into it. And uh, we had a this last year we had a guy that brought a twelve brought his twelve year old son. And I thought, well, that's a little young, you know. I thought I, I and he wasn't even a trapper. His his son was just interested in coming, you know, to to learn, was interested in trapping. And that's a dad for you right there. He paid that boy's way, bought his seat, and then he bought his own seat. So he paid, paid double, you know. Mm-hmm. And a little kid's name was Henry, and it was it was just great having that kid uh, with me. We one day we pulled up to a uh, there was a gravel road, and I had some sets down the side of the gravel road on drags. And we pulled up, and there's leaves kicked out in the road, you know. And I, I saw that, and I knew what you know. I've seen it a thousand times, and. We pull up there, and I said, look out that window. It was on his side. I said, look out that window. Is that trap gone? He looked out there. He said, it's gone. And he looked up a minute, and about 50 yards away, there was a little cedar tree. It was open woods there, and there was a cow, you know, had a tail big around. It was a five-gallon bucket. It was time. He said, there he is right there. <laughs> he snatched that truck door open. I said, whoa, hold on there, gunpowder. I said, wait till your daddy gets up here. 
and the rest of the boys. But it just for just for a minute, I was twelve years old again too. I wanted to go too. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, that that kid's hooked, and you know he'll he'll remember that his whole life. He will. Yeah, he sure will. I don't think he'd ever he'd never seen a fox or a or a bobcat or a coyote in his life, and he got to see all of it, you know. The, um, but no, the you know I see your guys' pictures, um, you know, with what you guys are catching, and you know the people down there and stuff. And I mean, I definitely would you know recommend your guys' school. Um, you know, I mean, you know, you you're uh, been a uh, you know a killer f- for your whole life uh, out learning how to do this stuff and you know, how to make money doing it, and, you know, I mean, none of us knows it all, but you know a lot, you know, and I mean, I definitely would, you know, send uh, down there, and, you know, I mean, Brian, you know, I mean, he kills, you know, he, well, he oh, doesn't kill him, yeah. you know, and uh, he doesn't kill him, he just, you know, does a live market and catches lots of them, you know, so. But he catches lots of them, he just doesn't have to scan anything. Yeah, I, yeah he's, he's, he's the smart one. <laughs> yeah that's right he, he is the smart one he'll tell you that oh yeah no he'll tell you that right away yeah. no brian, brian's a fine guy he's a better instructor than i am because i'm I, i'm i'm kind of all business when i'm out there you know i'll yeah. do whatever i look at the weather forecast and that that depends on how i'm going to trap and brian's more of more of an educator he'll take the time and and uh, he does a whole lot more instruction. You'll see me do the same thing, two or three things, the same way the whole time, yeah. you know. And, and Brian, he'll try to change it up. And like I said, he's a he's a little better instructor probably than what I am. Well, I'm, just, I'm the same way. So it works out good. I'm the same way as you where I, you know, was, you know, I'd say that's where I'd set my trap. I put in the trap. And then somebody says, why would you put the trap there? And I said, because that's where the animal is going to come through. Why? Right. I really don't know why. I just know that's where they're going to come. I don't, you know, I don't have. Yeah, well, it's easy for me because I've trapped that ground for 30 years. So because I've trapped it before. Yeah, because I trapped it before. Yeah, I've already been here. Uh, yeah. And you need to find a spot at your place where you can have the same thing. It looks just like this. That's yeah, right. Yeah. No. But we have a good time. We've had, some, we've had a lot of real good trappers come down. John oh. Wilson came down last year. He's uh He's from Pennsylvania. He's a he's a he's a character. It was a, a blast having. We've had a lot of good guys, you know, come down. Yep. No. Yeah, I've seen a lot of them guys. Uh, they were coming down. They, uh, you know, I mean, they catch a lot of stuff themselves. You know, and oh yeah, they're all. Most of them are already good good coyote trappers. They just they just come to hang out with us. Yep. And you know, it's like with me. Uh, you know, I'm not looking for something where I'm. Um, you know, looking to change my whole system, you know, uh, I, I mean, right. I, you know, I'm looking for something I'm missing that would make me catch five more coyotes. Or That's three right. Three it's it's the little things that you can pick yeah. up. Yeah. Serious. And, uh, and I mean, and the thing is, is, uh, you know, you, you know, it's like some people say, well, you know, you should teach people for free. None of that shit come to us for free. I mean, I went out there. And it didn't come for free. Them. That's right. We had to earn it. Yeah. Yep, and uh, you know, gas gas was cheaper in the old days, but uh, you know, I mean, we burned up a lot of it to learn. You know, what'd you trap time. out of back in back in the old days? I had a I had a Datsun five ten station wagon. It made gas. Uh, I uh, I trapped out of uh, a Datsun Nissan until I blew the motor up in that because I didn't check the oil, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then I had to borrow my mom's Chevy Chevette. 
and uh, that sucked. It's it's not too bad uh, running those cars unless it's a bad flea year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, it definitely it definitely was interesting. I've trapped out of a <laughs> Volkswagen before. You know, I mean, you don't have no money. You're just basically whatever vehicle you can get in. Somebody let you get in and drive. If it's start and run, yeah. that's right. Yeah, wasn't wasn't always the ideal situations. Most. And mo- there, apparently there was a lot of people with not a lot of common sense because I wouldn't have borrowed me my a vehicle. You know, if somebody else's vehicles broke down, there, there might be a reason behind that. And, Jeff, I don't really remember getting stuck much back then. Another thing we had was two-wheel drives. And yeah. I, I get it. Nowadays, we got four-wheel drive trucks, and I get them stuck all the time. I know. I uh, That's all I had was uh, two. Even my Datsun Nissan was uh, was two-wheel drive. I, I drove it out to Arizona. Um you know, drove all over up in the hills, and everybody else talking about their tires getting all cut up. I didn't have no problem, but shit was built a lot better back even in the eighties. You know? It was. <laughs> it, it's a shame, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Krista just had twenty nine hundred dollars worth of work done on her car the other day. It's only four years old. I told her, I said, "Honey, that puts a whole new transmission and motor in my truck." Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yep. Yeah, everything's everything's turning to junk. Trapping water, but we, everything. But we sure we sure had a lot of fun, though. Yep, yep. Yeah, because it, when it's all said and done, you know, whatever money you made is always spent. You know, all you got, you know, is the stories and the memories. That's it. That's it. And I don't know. I don't know what got me thinking about it, but I was thinking about old man Hillard, the one that was showing me how to trap. He he used six or eight foot of, of doubled or tripled sixteen gauge, just. Just regular, you know, just like what I call trapping wire, and a hatchet, and he would chop a sapling down, and that's what he uses. You know, I, he, I, I've been using drags since uh, I very first started trapping, and I, I'm still comfortable using them. I, I like, I like, I run a lot of drags. It saves the integrity of your set, whether it's a trail set or a, with coyotes. Uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, if it's damp. Uh, a remake on a coyote does not necessarily make it a better set like it does for a red fox. And if you run them on a drag, you can catch them. It saves the integrity of your set location. Hmm. I don't know if you run them much up there in your country or not, but I I sure, and you don't have to pound staking them. Mm-hmm. I like that. Just pull that drag out and you're fishing. Yep. Yep. No, I use, uh, I use a ton of drags. Um, Seems like the older I get, the more drags I, I buy. I'm still on. Yeah, that's the way I am. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you what, everybody talks about how good a drag it is. Well, some of them are a little bit too good. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. I want him to get. I'm using it for a reason. I want the, the animal to get away from the set. And you see, some of these ones are making now. They don't go. You know, they just don't go very far. A cat won't, won't even take it out. It, it just it'll be like he staked down. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they, they ain't got that pulling power <coughs> mostly. Um, no, I'm the same way. I, uh, you know, I love using drags, but like you said, you know, I mean, like I'll use them. I use the saber tooth a lot. Um, yeah, those are good drags. They're, they're, they're some of those that are, are on the verge of being too good. They don't go yeah, far with them, do they? No, they don't go far. Usually, if you start making a circle like you would in the old days, um, you know, looking for them. Um, and you don't find them, you better come back into where you had the set and start looking that, around. That's right. A lot of times it'll be a cat right yeah, there close. It, I've seen exactly it. exactly right. It'll be a cat. It sure a will. A cat just sitting there looking at you. 
but they um no i i love using drags and uh like just like you said i mean you know well, it's it's like it's like trapping twice. You get to catch him, and then you get to catch him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that's what in my demos and stuff I tell guys. They, they I hear you know, well, I'm scared that they're going to run off with them. I said, if you use an aggressive drag, you're going to wish sometimes that they would run off a little bit further. You know, a little farther. Yeah. That's right. And uh, it's it's a weird concept with trappers because everything that they're doing up to that point is is trying to get you catch the animal and get it to stay where you caught it and now you're telling them you want them to set the trap and then have the animal run away with it and you want him to go that's <laughs> yeah. right so it's a weird concept you know and uh you know but i've I got a lot of people that uh tell me you know, i'm so glad that uh you know you talked to me about the drags and you know it's made a big difference and cause it allows you to set spots that you normally like on here in this state and federal ground you wouldn't ever set in the middle of the road because if you if you anchor down there, you know, any any deer hunter or whoever's they're going to blow a hole in that coyote. That's the best. That's, that's exactly right. That's, that's what we run into down here yeah, too. That's going to be the best case scenario that they blew a hole in it and left your stuff. The next step is they steal everything. So you know, but something bad is going to happen. But you get that drag and shit. There, you know, just sitting on the side of the road. They get underneath a big uh, spruce tree or something. They feel comfortable. They ain't jumping around, you know. And the only the only problems you get is if doing that is if you catch a possum, he ain't moving the damn drag anywhere, you know. He's caught in the middle of the road. Now I've been averaging losing about about six or eight traps a year to one to either to getting them run over or something bad happened, and that that goes to adding up. Yeah. I had 200, and then, it, you know, at one time I had 200 cow traps, and I'm down to it. It's caused me to come up with 100, and I want to buy some. <laughs> yep. I started uh, using uh, JC's traps three years ago, and uh, first I was, like, setting them on state land, and I had one get stolen. I was like, shit, with the JC Connors J-trap. It uh, hurts. The, 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 the saber tooth drag, 10 foot of chain, um... You know, uh, all this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, oh my god, we're not setting these on state land no more. We'll save these for private ground. So I go over and set them on the private ground, and I swear to God, I know you've probably seen this, but uh, it seems like if a farmer sees you over there in a certain area, he has to go over there and disc that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's two of them buried. I went out through the metal detector, couldn't find the damn things. Um, so, but but yeah, we. I if there's a way to lose, if there's a way to lose a trap, I've lost one. Yep. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, the first year I bought those, I, I bought three dozen. Uh, I don't even want to know what year it was. I bought three dozen jakes, and I loved it. It's a cow machine. The only thing I don't like about it is sometimes it's hard to get a cow back out of them if mm-hmm. you don't have the setters there with you. Yeah. <clears throat> but I took them down to Tennessee. Lynn and I went down there on a little safari, a little ten day trapping trip, and a. There's a lot of gray fox down that country. And they, I, I was having trouble with them not firing the trap. You know, I want to catch them too. So I called Jim. Uh, I called Jim. He always tells me, he knows I'm a commercial fisherman. Every time I talk to Jim, he always says, make sure you wear your life jacket. <laughs> it's like, I ain't got that much to live for, Jim. But anyway, <laughs> I call it. I say, I, I said, these gray fox aren't firing this trap, Jim. I said, how can I loosen this, you know, adjust this pan tension to get this trap to go off? He said, you ain't got to do that. He said, just put something about the size of a walnut right there on where the jaw, where it hooks up on the jaw and the pan. And I started doing that, and I started catching those grays. I thought, you dummy. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> he should have thought of that. He said, just put something outside of the wall on it right there where, where the, and make them step on the outside on the edge of that pan. And mm-hmm. I did, and I started catching them. Hmm. Hmm. That wasn't the answer I was looking for when I called him. No. No, but it was a lot easier than what you were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, oh, okay, I'll do that. Yep. It worked. Yep. Yeah, I I love catching them gray fox. They uh, they're a lot of fun. They're a fine animal. Yeah, yep. yeah. They're one of the ones I'd go after, even if uh, they weren't worth nothing. I you know that would be one of my choices. I mean, they just they're so aggressive in the trap. They're you know they're just great all the way around, except for when you get them back from being tanned. Yeah. They shrink. Yeah, I know they do. A, a coon does too. It's like that's not my fox. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. They lose about four inches. Yeah, that that that's why I've never been a big guy to send in uh, like bobcats to get tanned because they always look like shit when they come back. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, different ones. I haven't used Sleepy Creek yet, but I've been hearing good things on them. I, Moyles is high, but I've been sending most of my stuff out there because they come back so nice. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's hard to beat Moyles. We uh, it's hard to beat them. Yeah, I uh, we deal with with Ben, um, you know, and he does a really good job. And it's either guy Sleeper Creek. Yep. And uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard good things about him. Yeah, he handles Sarah's products and stuff, and you know, one hand washes the other. So. Um, yeah, but no, he's a real. And I like the fact that I can get the owner of the company on the phone if I got a bitch, or uh, you know, which I never have. But I like, I like that, you know. So right, I'm never going to get the guy at Moyles on the phone. No, you can't <laughs> even get. They won't even answer the phone. Yeah. So, but um, no, do they? Well, we we shouldn't say nothing bad about Moyles on her. We love you, Moyles. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just can't get the owner on the phone is all. Not, right. that, not that we want to, but you do such great work, we have no need. <laughs> they, uh, That's what it is. They, uh, they, they, they would do more fur than anybody anymore, I think. Because, yeah, you know, you got the other tanneries around, but you always hear moils. But that's... I, I've used three or four different ones because, you know, everybody wants to go where the price is. And I, I've been down that road, but I'll just yeah. soon pay a little bit more. Yep. Yep, that's how I am. I'd rather pay a little bit more. I sent some out. I went up to Alaska, caught a bunch of lynx, brought them back, sold some of them, and uh, then tanned. Did you have some tan? Did yeah. they turn out good? Yeah, some, like two of them did. Uh, the other ones had hair missing off of them. Some of them, like half the hair was gone off of them. Dang. And uh, it, it wasn't Ben, of course. It was uh, some guys else. What did you do wrong? Well, they said that... Uh, he said, well, it was my fault. And uh, I'm like, F&T bought some of these links from me. They sent them out to a different tannery. They were all put up the same. None of the hair fell out of them. So I guess I'm confused of why mine did and theirs didn't. Yeah. They must have stored them. It must have been a storage problem with them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they said, well, we'll give you a break on your next one. I said, I don't think you can understand. I said, this was a... Trapping trip to Alaska, I spent a lot of money to go up there. You know, um, there's nothing you can do. You can't make this right. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could do is is not use you anymore. 
And then after that conversation, I had some coyotes there, and they came, and there, you, there wasn't enough hair on them coyotes to uh, to even, uh, you couldn't have made a hat out of them, like 20 Lord years. have mercy. I'm like, why, do I, why even send them back? <laughs> that, that's a lot of work wasted for nothing. Yeah, on, on all fronts. Yeah, yeah, because there's, there's nothing easy about a coyote, <laughs> from the catching them to skinning them to fleshing them, stretching them. Taking My guy's got to you got to be an idiot. You got to be an idiot to, to <laughs> catch them. Yeah, yep, we are. But uh, I sure like to catch them though. Yeah, I do too. When you can pull up there and they're bouncing, I like it. My favorite thing is uh, even more to see, than seeing bouncing. I like to. Uh, go up there and there's that bomb went off you know especially in a little bit of snow there looks like a you know somebody stepped on a land a mini landmine and that wax dirt's just threw all over and then you see the drag tracks you know taking off that makes it fun it's what makes it fun <laughs> you know we get to go hunt them it up. gives you a pur- gives a man a purpose in life doesn't it yep yep you gotta do something i just soon do that I've gotten to the point where I like to just go muskrat trapping anymore. <clears throat> so, I wish we had rats. I'd trap them too. I like a muskrat. Yeah. I like every kind of bird. Yeah. Yeah. I always have my favorite. Whatever I'm trapping at the time, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's right. <laughs> what's What's your favorite thing to catch? Uh, I'm trapping. Now, now, you like beaver trapping a little better than I do. That's pretty well. I look at that like work. Yeah. I kind of, that's like fishing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely work. The only thing I like about beaver trapping is if it's an otter in the trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why we've been going down to Louisiana and Arkansas is because we can catch more otter. And you know, here here you go and catch. I think it's three. So they they appreciate a trapper down that way, don't they? Yep, yep. They uh, they always treat always treat us nice and um, yeah, yeah. Then, have you got have you got the have you got the muskrat houses where you're at, Jeff? So we don't have much. When I was growing up, we had some of that. You you would mm-hmm. see houses. You yep. know, they're mostly what few rats we got left are banked in and rats here. But I've always wanted to trap the big marsh with the rat houses. You know, yeah, we uh, that's got to be fun. Oh, it is. It is. It's just production trapping. Um, you know, and uh, but it, it is. It's a ball. You know, because you can sit right on the houses and. You just set some on the houses and set some off and, you know, try and basically try and pick up, you know, you know, get it like a 90% catch rate, 80, 90% catch rate, you know, the first night and then they'll drop to, you know, 40 or 50% the next and then, you know, best is to pull, you know, but I, I you know, when I was younger, I would like leave rats and now I don't leave no rats because they're just going to die. Something's going to kill them anyway. So you might as well be the one, you know, you're. Yeah, there's no farm. That's right. There's no farm in the muskrats. It doesn't seem like I've I've left. You know, when rats were going high in 2012, 13, I left rats in you know in spots, and there ain't even a rat there now. You know, um, because of gone. They're just gone. Drought. The water dried up, or yeah. So, you know, I just I just have you ever watched those guys that are right? You know, the, like up on the Chesapeake Bay, like Morgan Bennett and those guys doing those demos. They skin a rat in like thirty seconds. Hell, like a coon to me. It takes me. Uh, I'm a three minute rat guy. <laughs> yeah. I might not be that bad, but they they can shuck them, can't they? Oh, they can. They can. It's unbelievable watching those guys do that. It's like, hey, slow down a minute, where I can see what you're doing. Yeah, they move so fast. Yeah, we, yeah. That's we, like, have you ever, have you ever seen Jerry Schilling? Uh, 
dressed a snapping turtle. Have you ever been yeah, to a demo yep, where he yep, was? Yep. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, uh, you can tell when he's doing it. He knows every cut that he's going to make, and I mean, it just—he does it so fast you can't you can't watch it. No, it, it would take me a long time to do the same thing, and mine would be screwed up. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'd rather just hire hire no, I, 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 I can I can I can spin cones pretty quick because I've had to do a lot of it, and. No. Uh, of course, I've been around catfish all my life. I can I can dress cat pretty quick, mm -hmm. but uh, everything else I just all thumbs. Yeah, yeah, that's behind. I'm I'm good with rats, but uh, yeah, I've you know skinned tons of them in my life. Right. No. Did your dad rat trap much, or was he mostly just stayed out of foxes? Um, he would. Where his heart was was uh, land trapping. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it was. Yeah. And uh, he'd trap rats and stuff, but you know, uh, that if you know, like he had said before, he said, uh, you know, he could he quit his job, uh, to you know, he was uh, in well, he might more trapping, yeah, then he he definitely did. But uh, when we moved from southern Michigan up to northern Michigan, like 250 miles away, uh, this was a Polish, German, Russian area. And everybody was related. And if you weren't related or lived here forever, you couldn't get no farm ground. When we moved up here, my dad trying to, you know, foxes were still. They could, couldn't find anywhere to trap. No, he got permission on one spot all day long. And they that guy called and told my mom uh, that, you know, I told him he could trap, but I changed my mind. And uh, she says, don't tell your daddy he lost his one permission, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So. Was there was there not any any public ground up that way, Jeff? Yeah, there was. That's what he ended up going is just trapping the public ground. We got millions of acres of public ground, but the uh, fox were heavier more than that farm ground. That's right. That's how it is everywhere. All yeah. the all the public ground I trap, it's it's rough country, and there's not a lot of fur in there. But it, but you can still catch what you need to catch. You just got to work harder. You yeah. know. Yeah, and uh, so that was kind of you know. We moved up here, was, and then he, you know, was a lot of a lot of coon hunters, and uh, you know, he, see that's what he was, that we had to deal with all that back in the day. Rabbit, there, I can't tell you the last time I have seen a rabbit hunter, but when I was growing up, every weekend, every field had a rabbit hunter in it. Yep. And then at nighttime, it was coon hunters because coons were bringing good money. Yep. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and that's one thing I don't miss. No. No. No, they, uh, it was a, it was a nightmare back then. And he's out trapping, and the coon hunters here didn't like the trappers, and uh, it was the trappers felt the same way, and uh, you know, and he's, they they wouldn't sell him his fur, and he's trying to buy fur, and the coon hunters won't sell him. So, but well, they'd sell him now. They'd sell him now. They they, <laughs> they, they, they would sell him to the most hated trapper in the world now. <laughs> Yeah. But, well, how's Clint doing? I haven't, I haven't heard any word out of Clint in a while. He's doing good. Um, he uh, is going uh, going back to school. He uh, is he? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you heard, but uh, me and Sarah bought bought Clint out. Uh, all the predator control group, the video. Oh no, I didn't know that. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Me and Sarah bought all of it, and uh, isn't that something? Yeah, he uh, he just said. Well, congratulations. He said there's other stuff to conquer out there, and he said he wants to conquer some of it. 
Well, I told him. I'm sure he'll he'll do well at whatever he wants to do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a nice place down there in uh, Tennessee, and I don't know, just interests went other ways. You know, I mean, he's still involved. You know, he's going to the national and fur takers to run his run the booth and all that. But, um, you know, sometimes things just capture your heart, and that's the way you got to go. That's the way you got to go. But, uh, well, it's always been trapping with me, and I don't see it changing. No, I don't see it changing with me either. The, uh, but Clint, me and Clint was talking, and uh, Sarah was there and stuff, and he said that, uh, you know, this is one reason that guys should really look at going to your school. Um, that Clint said that you and Randy Smith were the two most natural predator men that he's ever met. You know, and... Um, yeah. Well, it's nothing to be proud of. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, that's, you know. that's that's like being the smartest kid on the short bus. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, I appreciate Clint saying that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, I guess we'll end it there. But uh, uh, what I meant while we were talking, I was thinking about how we were going to do this, and uh, I'll put a link when I put this up. If wherever we post it, like on Facebook or whatever, or on YouTube, I'll put yeah, it. Yeah, put it on over stupid folks like me yeah, can look at yeah. it. But I'll put a link in there so you can get a hold of Matt about the school and stuff. Yeah. Well, so. Jeff, I sure appreciate it, buddy. Anytime yeah. you want to do it, just call me. Okay. Well, just, thanks for doing it, Matt. We'll, we'll talk again. I'm sure we forgot to talk about something. Yeah. We, we, we'll, we'll definitely. Both of us can talk about trapping all day. Yep, we can. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. Well, thanks, Matt. Well, Thanks for calling, brother. Yep, bye. Well, that was a great, great interview with Matt. And uh, I'd already told Matt that, uh, you know, that we were going to have him come back. Because, I mean, Matt's got tons of story. He's got tons of fur knowledge. And uh, we'll, you know, get him to burrow down and, you know, throw a couple tricks out there for everybody, you know, the next interview. And uh, But he called back, and he had a really cool story about uh, Randy Smith and, uh, you know, and so we're going to put this as a bonus right now. Smith, I got a Randy Smith story for you. That, I'll tell you what happened. He he calls me. It's, it's a good one. <laughs> they have a the world championship walker dog coon hunt in Aurora, Kentucky, which is about 20 miles from my house. My phone rings one day. It's Randy. What are you doing? I said, not much. He said, he told me about the hunt, what was going on. He said, would you guide me? Make a long story short. And I said, yeah, sure. Well, to make a long, longer story, story short, we go up there and we pick them up. It's a four-man cast. I take them down here on the river, the best farm I know, full of cones. Well, I didn't think about it, but the water was up about 20 feet higher than what it normally was, normally is. We, they turn these dogs loose. Randy's dog gets on a cone right off the bat. The only problem was it swam across a 20-foot deep creek that's usually three feet deep that you can just jump across. He had to swim over there and get that dog <laughs> and swim back with it in the, in the cold wintertime. He gets back, and another guy in the cast was a preacher, a crazy-ass preacher that had a dog that wasn't worth killing. <laughs> it runs it runs off. or they, I mean, that place, he said, hell, I saw seven coons just with my wife when he was in there with his dog. But in any event... This guy loses his dog, and it runs the rest of the night, but they scored high enough to hunt again. So the next night, 
we go, I take them by boat. I, I got four dogs, four guys, and me, we put in, and I take them to a big island on the Ohio River. It is also full of raccoons. They turn loose. Well, I didn't think about it, but about a year or two before, we had the ice storm of the century. When they got back, uh, the dogs ran. I heard all kinds of stuff going on. When they finally got back, it looked like you had rammed those boys through a meat saw. They were banged up, <laughs> cut up, bruised. Randy just looked at me and shook his head. He said, yeah, yeah, it's full of coons in here. You just can't get to them. And I didn't think about that ice storm blowing all that debris and stuff down. But it was funny. The look on his face when he came, every one of them were bleeding when they got back to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> having to walk through those deadfalls, but that's my Randy Smith story. <laughs> and and the trapper wins again. <laughs> and the trapper wins again. That's right. <laughs> was uh was that the the year that he won the world hunt? Uh no, he it wasn't that year. I think it was the next year. Uh, no, he didn't win it. I was gonna say because that'd make you a a world champion guy then. It would. I know it. <laughs> well, I am a world champion guy. And I just didn't. Uh, I just wasn't that night, those two nights. Yeah, for the coon hunting. For the coon hunting, yeah. Um, yeah. But that's my, that's my rant. Hey, he's a great guy and a, and as good a trapper as you can't outwork that boy. Yeah. No, he, uh, he, he, he definitely has got no backup in him. Yeah. He, he, he uh, he's a fur killer now. Yeah, he is. <laughs>